This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who is in a really weird spot right now because I was hyped. I just got off the Mass Effect lore cast, but now I'm kind of tired from it. Then I ate a really big burger, but I've also drank half a monster. So I'm in like this weird, exhausted, but also hyper mode. So let's see where it goes. Like someone tried to animate your corpse. (laughs) A little, maybe. Um, (laughs) Like I am Vervada, the girl who uh, is just always tired. So same. I also ate a big dinner. So I'm kind of too full now. But I am drinking wine and wine makes me sleepy. So it's just all compounding. Oh, yay. Uh, Let's open it up then. Of course, tonight is last last Friday of the month, so we have our patrons here, Apollo and Bat Knight. Apollo, where are you at on energy scales? I'm always tired, too. I'm drinking strawberry daiquiri, Seagram's Escapes. It's delicious. Ooh. Bat Knight? Spider Knight? Hello there. <laughs> uh, as far as my energy goes... I don't know. I've been really, really sleepy for the past few days, but for some reason within the past hour and change, I'm like jazz to the moon. Maybe I'm just excited to see you guys. Aww. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad. We got like a second wind going on. Yeah, we will rally. Rally. <laughs> we can do it. Uh, tonight, we definitely have a very interesting topic to go over. It's one that V and I have talked about more than once uh and so it's time to get some other viewpoints on this what is your favorite romance trope and why who had an instant thought when they saw this question it's only the two of you someone go (laughs) well i don't know about the why that part i'll probably have to think of on the spot but uh I catch a lot of flack for the fact that I'm just a sucker for the hero rescuing the damsel. I mean, I know it's, you know, super predictable. What was my name and everything, but the fact is that's always appealed to me, but I've started to notice that in my, (laughs) while he dies, I just wanted to call out really quick. I love that you called it the hero rescuing the damsel because typically that's called the damsel in distress trope. And I just feel like you spend it really positively. So I like that. Well, I was getting to that because I've noticed that in, I mean, it used to just be, I love to see, cause I, you know, when I was a kid, I always would relate the hero to myself. Like, man, it'd be awesome to, you know, save the day, get the girl and all that. But I've noticed that as I've gotten older, there are certain characters in popular cultures, say for example, uh, Lois Lane that seems to be finding herself getting in over her head and or tossed off a tall building like every other week. And it's like, okay, sweetheart, eventually you're going to have to learn how to at least throw a punch. So while I do still appreciate the damsel in distress or, well, the hero rescuing the damsel, I like the, I've I've almost gotten to where I enjoy just as often the moment where, the hero shows up and is like, all right, I'm here to save you. And then he looks around and she's like, what took you so long? I already took care of this shit. So I appreciate being able to, you know, save the day. But at the same time, you know, I still, that's not necessarily appealing to me anymore. While I still want to be able to save the day, I don't want to have to make it a full-time job. So, you know, somebody that can save themselves on occasion is, I love to see that, too. When you're talking about this, uh, it reminded me so much of this really pivotal minor, minor, minor line in the movie Frozen 2, of all things. And what it is, is Anna's out there trying to be a badass and is like fighting stuff and is out there trying to reach Elsa, of course. And Kristoff, 
runs up and he's, you know, the strapping man here to save the day. Or you assume that is what he's going to do in that moment. But what he does is he runs up and says, I'm here for you. What can I do to help? Not I'm here to save the day. Not let me show you how I think we should handle this situation. Not I'm here to rescue you. No, I am here to support you. Where do you need me? And I'm like, that, 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 I really like that. Well, unfortunately, I mean, there may be some recent bias given certain games I've been playing, (laughs) but I have, I honestly have to say, I've been following the character of Spider-Man almost as long as I've been following Batman. And I've watched all the movies, seen all the animated series, you know, have loved it all through most of it. I got to tip my hat to Insomniac because they are putting together such a fantastic, I can't go into, I'm not going to go into spoilers because the game just dropped this week. So, uh, but they're going into such great territory. Every freaking version of every character I'm seeing is becoming my favorite version of these characters. I love the complexity of Peter. Uh, I love, I love the dynamic of this. The first time I've genuine, I've always been, I mean, I've talked about this. I've always been a big fan of the black cat. As far as, you know, I always ship Spider-Man and the black cat. This is one of the first times where I'm actively rooting for Spider-Man and MJ. I'm like, dude, these two are meant to freaking be. And if, as long as I've been following it for it to finally find a version of those two characters that make me think this freaking works, I'm like, they got to be doing something right. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how what else to say to that without going into spoiler territory. Yeah, the only thing I would add is, Mary, if you're listening to this, pass on to your friends at Insomniac, your coworkers. Thank you for making an amazing game. <laughs> I need to play it. I really, really want to play it. And I think it's interesting that you said your favorite trope was heroes rescuing the damsels, but you've never wanted Spider-Man to end up with MJ until now, because that's kind of a classic trope version of that, you know? Well, just, I mean, it is, but at the same time, it kind of feeds into my outlook on it now, which is the reason I've always liked Black Cat is because, yes, Black Cat tends to get in over her head, but... Once Spider-Man has like, you know, uncuffed her or whatever, she's like, hey, let's go, you know, do beat up bad guys together. I maybe maybe that's I don't know. I don't know what the name of those tropes are. So Thank I went Elena. with what I knew. <laughs> but, you know, having the the battle lovers, I guess, for lack of a better, that's also near the top. So I don't know. It's, it's always a trying to find somebody like I'm always a fan of the hero. And so trying to find somebody that is a good mix for the hero, but that doesn't necessarily have to be, can do the same things he does. You know, finding that perfect balance is important. And it's always seemed, you know, my younger years when I mentioned the Superman Lois reference, it kind of feels like it's a little Mm one-sided. Whereas with this game franchise, he needs her just as much as she needs him. And it, they genuinely balance off each other. So, and I, I love seeing it. And it, there's a culminate, like, seriously, if y'all play it, it's going to be on your list of things to discuss. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. Ooh, yay. All right. I will definitely, I'm pretty sure it'll be already on the, on our list, but maybe it'll go on my list of games that I'm actually going to play. So Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for all of that. I really, I really liked that one. Paulo. No, I got long-winded. Oh no, it's all good. It's only the two of you guys tonight. So <laughs> I'm never going to fault anyone for being long-winded. Have you no. met me? <laughs> I'm very long-winded. <laughs> I think looking at the different tropes, I think I, pro- I mean, this isn't a trope. I like, I like the nerdy smart girl in a game, but that's not a trope. If I if I'm gonna go with the trope, I'm gonna have to go with Starcross Lovers because it keeps everything interesting. It you never know, you're especially if it's a game or TV show where you don't know what's gonna happen. You are always on the edge of your seat, wondering is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? 
and sometimes it does. Like, I mean, you could even like in the office, Jim and Pam were sort of star-crossed lovers for a few seasons until they weren't, and that worked. X Files, Mulder and Scully were star-crossed lovers, and they should have stayed star-crossed lovers. But in but even in video games, where it, sometimes they just don't get together, the hero or whatever has to like choose to humanity or the world over this one relationship, and it's I don't I it just keeps things interesting for me. Yeah, I definitely think that there. I guess there is a big difference between character tropes, Mm -hmm. romance tropes, and like storyline tropes. So character traits and plot devices are the proper terms, but they're all tropes. Yeah, that's what I was going for. (laughs) You took my words out of my brain. I'm sorry. No, that's I'm not sorry for being connected to you so deeply. Exactly. (laughs) Oh. Um, I'm trying to think of some character video game characters that we've discussed that uh, fall into. Is there a nerdy girl uh, star-crossed lover that we that I can think of? I well, mean, just the the way he was describing star-crossed lovers, like at the end for sure. But some of what you said also can fall into something that like is kind of colloquially called like the Batwoman, Batman and Catwoman. Where it's like the is they oh my gosh I cannot talk the will they or won't they type of thing where it's like I can tell there's chemistry but they're not going for it for whatever reason and then for sure that usually comes into star cross lovers but I think adding the nerdy girl aspect into that does it have to be together have you seen one Apollo that you can think of where it was a nerdy girl besides the office. I think she's kind of nerdy. They're all kind of nerdy. But they get together. I don't think. I don't. I can't think of a nerdy girl where they don't get together. I don't think. Well, it's not that they don't get together. It's just something pulls them apart. I think they. This, you know, well, star crossovers like they want to be together. Well, then I can go to the X Files. Like one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've mentioned on here before, my favorite episode of the X Files is the one called "The Field Where I Died." where Mulder discovers that everybody has that people reincarnate and people like their souls connect and they bond throughout the ages. And he meets his, he meets his soulmate in this life, but only for a very brief time. So like, that's the ultimate star cross lover that he meets her realizes who she is for like one day. And then she dies. I mean, that's bad, but that's a really good episode. And I, I don't know if you can get much more star cross than that. True. Oh, V, my love. What about you? I have no idea. I love, love, love way too much. And so there's there's not a theme among your romance, love interests in games or anything like there's not a recurring theme like there is for me. (laughs) No, because. okay. so what do Caden Alenko, Jack Garrus, Iron Bull, Anders, uh, Astarion, uh, Alistair. Like, these people don't have anything in common other than the fact that they're fuckable. You know? Like, is that is that my qualification? Is willing to have sex with me? Like, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. You do. Like, thinking about all of them, especially Alistair is the one that least fits into this but they all have like the hidden depths thing going on Mm. because they have they all have fronts of like some other personality and then when you get to know them they're and that's kind of true for everyone but like specifically with those characters what draws us in is how vulnerable they get with you once you have cracked through their facade like (sighs) iron bull isn't like a traumatized baby the way a starian is or the way anders is or the way Jack is, or the way Caden is, but he also is not into, like, he's not interested in love until you get to that point, and then he's like, oh, Kadan, you know, all that stuff, so I feel like that's probably the recurring theme, it's just the fact that, like, yeah, it's, it's no. what I love about the Byronic hero, about the, there's a side to them you don't get to see unless you are romancing them, 
So I was thinking about this earlier, and you're right, Alistair does not really fit in, and I wouldn't really consider him my canon anyways. My canon for Origins yeah. is Severin. But, uh, you like trauma babies like I do, apparently. <laughs> I do. I do. And when I was thinking about the romance tropes, like who I actually really, really, truly fall in love with, I was like, well, I fall, I fell in love with the big burly asshole who needed his shell broken in order for me to wiggle in there and make him love me. And then so my husband can be a dick, but <laughs> that's my dick. You know, the that's my asshole that's, is that's my, my trope. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I understand that one for sure. I mean, you've met my husband. He is so sweet and wonderful, but there are people who think he's so mean because he has resting bitch face and doesn't suffer fools, mostly because he can't hear them, but also <laughs> because he doesn't want to deal with them. Yeah, but he's wonderful. Yeah, mm. definitely phrasing. That was that was called for for sure. Oh yes, no, the phrasing <laughs> on that one. Yes, the that's my dick. Yeah, um, in so many different ways does that work? Does that phrase work? Um, so yeah, I guess throughout all of my romance options, the trauma holders who just need some extra love and attention, and one person that can break down their walls. I think that's summarized by "Love Can Heal." is the name of that trope which applies to many video game romance options it's definitely one of my favorites because they seem to all have that too but i already know my favorite which is broody elf duh but like that's like a sub genre sub trope to the Veronic hero which i kind of mentioned earlier which is like honestly on paper i'm like god what an insufferable twat like why would i love that but in practice he's just so darn charismatic this only applies to male love interests that i have in video games really because there's barely ever a female baronic hero first of all but also like the women i tend to go for in games are the cinnamon rolls like carlac or judy like they're just precious little babies that i love especially carlac i haven't romanced her officially but like i i would i would so fast i think carlac might be the nerdy girl in baldur's gate 3 yeah yeah he's the shadowheart like looks like she would be with her right. anime bangs but no shadowheart's got the look for me but carlac's got the just uh like the way she carries herself the fact that her idol animation is just her jumping and bouncing around is adorable very tally very tally yeah very tally mm-hmm it's true oh okay yeah. what why do I like what I like, though? I don't know. I, did, I just realized I didn't say a why. Did anyone say a why? Do we have a why? I think I had a why. Like? Why do you have a what? Why do you like the trauma, the, the, the babies full of full of trauma? Because through the power of Punani, I can heal anything. <laughs> I like it for a completely different reason. I think that's like, so funny. I guess no. it's reflective of my demisexuality i'm just like oh my god yes my time is now i will heal you i will give you the safe space my arms are here to give you the hug your personality is so beautiful i love you yes. i will be the safe space you never got that's why i like it yeah no that's that's exactly why um yes there is there is an undercurrent of sex throughout all of the things with me but there's also the very nurturing, I want love to heal you on all different wavelengths, um, whether that be physical, emotional, spiritual love, however you want to play that out. Um, I think that love can heal. And I think that's, that's my trope. And why? Because it has worked in real life. Uh, love can yeah, heal. Yeah, me too. Yep. I I also just like the thought of it of it's enough to make the world a better place simply by loving. I like the idea of that. Maybe not the whole world, but someone's world. You know, it's like that whole thing of like when you adopt a dog, you may not change the world, but you change the world for that dog. It's kind of mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> I was gonna say, or as Aunt May would say, if you help someone, you help everyone. Mm. Teach a man to fish, you feed or 
what is it? The fish dude? Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. <laughs> or if you like vampire movies. <laughs> you like vampire movies. Build a man a fire and he's warm for a day. Light a man on fire and he's warm, he's warm for the rest, for the rest of, life. of his life. Uh, I saw one about you, cats where like you teach a cat to give a cat a fish, you feed him for one day, teach a cat to fish, he looks at you and asks, where the fuck is my fish? He <laughs> stares at you until you give him another fish. Um, oh, it's so cat. I love it. If you ever go skydiving and your parachute fails, don't worry. You have the rest of your life to figure it out. If your parachute fails, don't worry. Mm -hmm. You have the rest of your life to figure it out. Oh, you don't need to repeat it. I won't be skydiving for that reason. No, thank you. I want to go. I'm out. I don't like, I don't like falling at all. Life is scary enough. I don't need to like threaten my own life with like fear of death. I don't even know what the, what the draw is. I am terrestrial on the ground. Ah, uh, I want to know what it's like to fly. I'll just keep that in my dreams. like, Or like, I don't know, games where I can fly, like Horizon Forbidden West or stuff like that. I'll just, just, I mean, just bun- bungee jump. That. That's bungee jump. That's no, sort of like no, it. Doesn't no, no. Doesn't take as long. Wait, why do you want to skydive but not bungee jump? Why? Because skydiving, you have an instructor, you have a person there with you. Bungee jumping is just, okay, jump off the side of a bridge and expect this bungee cord, this little elastic band, to to whip you back up into the air violently and snap your back in half. I mean, how much force do you imagine a parachute opening up in the air and stopping you immediately? Like, that's a similar amount of force, probably. And, and it's still just a piece of fabric and some rope. So it's really not any better. And at least usually bungee jumping is over some water, which it still sucks for you because if you're at a certain height, it's going to be like hitting the pavement. But that's the risk you take if you want to do adrenaline sports, which is why to be I fair, don't. I won't, I, I won't bungee jump either. Yeah. No uh, Bat Knight, the only reason that I brought up tandem is because for your first 15 dives, you're supposed to do tandem, never solo. Yeah, like you don't get to solo dive for a while. You just want some like big adrenaline junkie bro to hug you while you plummet? Is that is that the reason? No. <laughs> my first planned skydive was supposed to be with my dad. So like I have a completely different vision of this in my head, y'all. Oh my gosh. Well, forgive me for assuming. <laughs> oh, that's funny though um and i think that's also part of it is because like i grew up watching my dad skydive and stuff and so to me it seems it's it's safe um and the only reason that i didn't was because i was too young to go up and then life and where we are now but anyways we have tangented way too far so let us go into the middle of the show take our little mid-break We will do our mid-break dance, and when we come back, I mean, I do this every time, I'm going to flip the question on its head, and we can talk about our least favorite romance tropes. All right, mid-break dance, what are we doing today? Um... Uh, Spider-Man's here. You want to w- w- the web dance, the web shuffle, where it looks like we're shooting webs from our wrists back and forth? Oh, it's not going to be that stupid emo uh, Spider-Man 3 dance. No, we don't talk about that one. Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> listener, I oh, wish I you... actually did that at the Halloween party the other day. Oh, it's so bad. It's worse than the shepherd shuffle. If I mean, or they're like right on par with each other. Okay, all right. We don't have any new reviews to go over tonight, but we do have a new patron, Dex. Thank you so much for joining in. 
Yay! Welcome to the shipmates, the shipsters. Uh, what else have we called our fans over the last two years? Oh, lots of different romantics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bays. Yeah, lots of different things. Okay. I also have an announcement. We are currently at 149 ratings on Spotify. 149. Okay. Next week. Next week is V&I's two-year anniversary. Do you know how perfect it would be if we hit 150 on our two-year anniversary? So please, if you have not taken the 2.5 seconds that it takes to leave a five-star rating on Spotify, please do that now to wish these two girls a happy two years together. Yay! We also thank our lovely, lovely patrons in the middle of the show. So a huge shout out, big love, and major thank you to Toasty and Apollo, Becky and Daddy Batnight, Mystios and Muffiny Cake, Mackenzie and Wynn. Yay! All the love. Yeah, and more of you need to show up. Where are your faces? What do you look like? I haven't seen you in forever. Also, just it's just fun to do patron chats because it's just us dicking around for an hour. <laughs> yes. Special shout out to Daddy Bat Knight and Apollo because they are OGs who pretty much always show up. Uh, gosh, it has been what we've had Patreon for. Oh, it hasn't been the whole time, but. And we've definitely seen a lot of faces uh, come and go, and we would love to see more of you be able to join our show and every at the end of the month, the last Friday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that is when we have our live stream, and hopefully we can get some more people starting to join us in the future. Yes. All right. Should we get back into the middle of the show? Or get back into the middle. Okay. No. How about we get... <laughs> Get back into the show. Sure. I'm going to have to think about this one, though. The least favorite? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Oh, this one's easy for me. Go for it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact name of the trope, but I don't like the trope where, like, two people just hate each other and then just get together because of it simply because I've seen that in the real world and how badly it turns out so many times, especially as a high school teacher, like how awfully those types of things turn out so much. I mean, they could work out sometimes, I suppose, but man, I've Mm -hmm. seen those things turn out bad. So I hate that trope because people Mm -hmm. see it and especially like teenage girls, they see it in games, they see it in movies and think, oh, it'll work. And it never freaking works. And they get hurt over and over and over. It's called enemies to lovers. (laughs) It's called enemies to lovers and is so popular. Oh man. I've enjoyed a few of those myself, not in real life, um, in, in my fiction. And you know, when you really sit back and go, this is literally just like some of these stories, like I'm thinking romance novels and stuff, not necessarily games. But you're like, they're, they're starting out like actual enemies. Like they hate each other. And through their hate, they're like, wait, it's not hate. It's passion. And I think in real life, that is a very uh, flawed belief um, that I agree with you. It leads to bad things. Usually people, shouldn't be screaming and arguing and having like hot makeup sex all the time that that's not a functional relationship um but i also think in fiction it can work as a very interesting dynamic as long as you don't bring it to your real life um but yeah like a a good game example we use in our talk that we just did at the portland retro games uh expo was bastila and revan because technically they were enemies and then they could become lovers but I agree with you. I mean, does that one count, though? Because they got all romantic-y after he got his mind wiped. Yeah, so but she knew who he was. Well, fair. So I think that's, a, I think, yes, there's like a technicality because they both weren't aware that they were enemies at the time. 
and they weren't really like enemies at the time that she started falling in love with him but she was supposed to think of him that way like she's supposed to be guarding him basically and being like let's see if this dark former dark lord of the sith can turn a new leaf now that we've reprogrammed him and then she fell in love with him so yeah there's not really a good example of that in games that i can think of but like plenty of movies and books shows and i don't know why that's such a popular thing to show it's everywhere and i feel like it really does give people a false sense of like what a relationship should look like yeah there's definitely a lot of ones where it works out but i don't think that in the real world it actually would i agree yeah but in video games it's sometimes fun yeah that's why we should separate like our the stuff we like to consume as media should not necessarily directly reflect our real life experience because it's a catharsis that's especially for video games it's a way for us to experience things that we definitely couldn't in real life and that can and should include romantic liaisons you don't need to go out and like have this kind of relationship you know like all you guys out there romanticizing gortash i get it but you also need therapy i do too because i i see it i really do but that's an example right there yeah gortash is from Baldur's gate three yeah. he's um very he's or orin or Oren. Uh. <laughs> you guys need to need to look at yourselves. <laughs> okay, but okay, romanticizing is probably a bit further than what I would call it for me. I just I want Oren's clothing. That's um, fair. Uh, but probably stealing it the morning after. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gortesh, I just think like he be a, I don't know I don't know I just I find him attractive the voice helps a lot yeah, and then I was gonna say I don't care about Gortash but Jason Isaacs on the other hand I hear him talking and I'm like okay Lucius Malfoy that's okay yeah. I got you see that's what I was gonna say like I feel like people see characters like that and they're so like handsome so beautiful on the outside people are like oh well there must be something to them on the inside but no, there really isn't. They're beautiful on the outside <laughs> and they're awful on the inside. And they're not going to change. If they wanted to change, they would have already changed in the previous 40 years of their life. Yeah. Oren is just batshit crazy. And I'm fully aware of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. V, what about you? What do you not like? What's icky? I mean, there's nothing I really dislike, I guess. Okay, hold on. I take it back. There is. Um, and this is this is our like fundamental flaw between me and you, Jen. This is why oh. this is our one one argument. It's like because you love Anders and I don't, and the reason I don't like him is his massive amount of hubris. And I don't really know what the trope is, I guess, except like almost borders on narcissistic in some ways and this is why i initially really disliked gail as well in Baldur's gate because he has the same kind of vibes and he has a ton of hubris and he pays for it just like anders does but for me when i hear these characters talking about how awesome they are and they're so smart and i'm like bitch the evidence of you being a dumb shit is sitting in your chest right now for both of them honestly and it's, I can't handle it. Like, it makes me so mad because I'm like, have a little bit of self-reflection. And sometimes they get there through some player choices, but it's often too late for them. And that just annoys me. Gail, I, I actually really like, um, not enough to romance him, but I do really like his character. Anders, I still dislike because he doesn't really have any redeeming qualities the way Gail does. Because Gail, I like despite his hubris and Anders especially at the end it's like he just went down so far he committed so hard that there wasn't anything left except for that of his like rebel revolutionary dude like whatever the means to an end is doesn't matter i'll sacrifice whoever so this is the same way i see it i know i he has hubris too this is what i don't understand about me like why did i hate anders but like solace because they have a lot of similarities and so does gail but like, I don't like, I don't like, I'm like, bitch, shut up for a second and just like have a little bit 
of a confidence crisis. Like, why, why are you, I don't know. It's kind of like, they, they all share the trait also of them being men. So I'm like, is that why? Because are, are all these games like patriarchies where they're just like, I didn't make a mistake. I am men, you know, and I'm, I'm me, a woman who is like questioning herself all the freaking time. So I'm like, why aren't you doing this, Gail Anders Solis? Like, why aren't you questioning, should I be doing this? Is this the right path? Like, just have a little bit of doubt, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, I believe that if Anders was an elf, you might feel differently about him. And if Fenris was the human, we might be having a very different conversation. Yeah, but Fenris was full of doubt. Anders wasn't. Anders, no matter what you said to him, was confident he was doing the right thing. Up until the very end where he was at the wall, the chicken game was almost over and it was too late to pull away. And then he was like, oh, fuck. Only if you were like the rebel or the rival path with him, though, you know. Fenris never was like that. He was constantly like blaming himself in a lot of ways, as much as he blamed what's his name? That the evil slaver. Yeah. Douchebag. Like, but he he was often like, Oh, I'm broken, I'm horrible, I've I've become this monster. You know what I mean? Like he was always like that. So I think that's why it was different. Because it it also wasn't like you you could convince Fenris easily like at, you just did his stuff and then he was like oh shit you're right you know what I I it was too soon for me I, I needed some time and Anders just like he's like no I know what I'm doing I know what I'm doing and like Gail does that for a lot of the game too which is annoying and Solus does that the entire time like you can't convince him to stop it's so annoying I don't I hate that because I think do you think in these games do you think Anders and Solus believe that they're good people do I do. I see, think they think it's worth it. Right, them. but that's the thing. Like for them to continue to believe they're good people, they can't have any doubt because as soon as they have doubt and it creeps in, then they're going to have to look in the mirror and say, "Wait a minute, I might be a piece of shit." And they just can't do that. They can't back out of it because they, there's just no way they could ever admit that. Yeah. Yeah, and then they get scared. That's why they like push you away. If if you romance them, because they're like, and, and I don't think Gail does this because he has a lot of things that the others don't. It's just initially, God, he's so he's so freaking douchey and confident, like too confident. It, like confidence is one thing, but he's overconfident. Like I will never forget the like freaking dick slap fight that him and Laroquin had in the Wizard Tower. If you brought mm-hmm. him along, and they're just like, oh, I, I'm so good. I'm such a wizard. Oh, you're a wizard. <laughs> Whatever. Like. It's hilarious to me, but also like the exact reason why he annoyed me initially. So I was like, dude, stop, stop it. But like I said, he has so many redeeming qualities that Anders and Solus really don't have. Like, I like Solus because he's an elf and also because he, I thought he, you really felt like, like you could change him. Like you could convince him through your love that like, oh, he will change his mind. And then he doesn't, which pissed me off when I first played it. I was like, freaking whatever i guess i don't mean anything to you because he thinks it's worth it like all that collateral damage is worth it because he's got to undo his mistake oh his mistake's the center of the universe just like anders you know i hate that see i felt like asterion was too full of himself like he's twice he told me that i'm not good enough for him so i'm like i'm done i'm out i got carlac over here flirting with me she's Hmm. my nerdy girl you're gone i'm going that way Asterion is is a fascinating, wonderful, interesting character, as they all are in Baldur's Gate. There's, they are some of the best written characters I've ever seen personally, and Asterion is exactly not at all what what meets the eye. But I do, I think it actually plays very much into his character that he has such high standards because he never could have any before. So it's his first time in his life since, well, his new life, his afterlife. But he's able to say, you know what? I can choose who to sleep with, and it's not going to be you. And when he does initially choose to sleep with you, too, it's not genuine. It's like a genuine experience at first. Um, but, yeah, it's I, I understand that. It's it's He has a very good facade going. I like him. I'm just like, dude, you turned me down twice. We're done. 
Yeah. Uh, I I understand that one. Uh, I understand that one for sure. Uh, there was somebody... Gosh, I don't even remember which character it was. Um, that somebody told me, like, oh my gosh, you are totally going to love this character and romance them. And they one of their first responses was like uh i'm not really interested in romance and so i was like okay then i'm out nope i'm done i think my trope that i don't the the trope that i came to mind with the least favorite was um the young apprentice being the savior of the world and falling in love um I, 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 that one for me is I'm sick of the teenager trying to save the world and struggling through their love life while at it. I, if you, if you're maybe I'm just sick and tired of young adult <laughs> YA novels or video games that were centered around kids playing them because I am a grown ass woman who should not be playing kids video games and being pissed off that they are designed and built for kids. Um, that's why I have grown up and adultified my tastes. But my brain is also still reeling from a lot of what the whole discussion about Anders and Solus and Astarion and just all these people. And I'm like, I, I kind of see all different sides of it. I kind of see everything. Um, VM floundering. Well, to be fair, I don't, I think a lot of young adults are tired of that young adult stuff. Cause somehow we got into this talking about twilight the other day in one of my classes and everybody, all of them are like, so, so, so terrible. All she does is whine. He's terrible for her. This is oh all, my god! Like, come on. The so love I triangle. I am over the. I am yeah. over the love triangle for sure. I just hate watched Twilight like two days ago because I needed something on in the background while I work, and I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And my sister had just recently done that, and she's like, "You need to rewatch them because it's hilarious." As an adult, I never. Both of us never liked Twilight. We also just were drug along to the theater with our friends. But oh my god, it's a different experience watching it as a 32-year-old. And it's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. I cannot believe why people like it. It's, I remember one a while ago, Bat Knight went on a rant about the Joker and Harley. And as strongly as I agree with that one, I agree with Edward and Bella too. Nasty, horrible couple. Don't understand it. Well, in what world is it okay to just come watch a, a teenage girl sleep for however long? And then you tell her, oh... I've been watching you sleep for the past three months. And she's like, oh, that's sweet. No, not sweet at all. That's really creepy. It's fucking creepy. For and the then record, he's I like, let's... Include, sorry. Go I was going to include Twilight in my least hated. I don't know what the name of it is, but whatever that trope is, that. And I had two different examples. Unfortunately, neither one of them were video games. Abuse. <laughs> I mean, he isolates her from all her friends. There's, I was literally stalking. watching this. Oh, okay. I figured like, it he out. Like makes, he makes her lie to her dad, and then he's like driving her in the middle of the night because the other vampire is like wants to eat her, and he's like this amazing tracker. And so they're driving, and she sees all her friends come out of the diner, and it's like slow mo, and she sees like how they're having such a good time. And I feel like a teenager would look at that and be like, wow look he has to protect her like oh she sees her friends and she can't stop because they're gonna get hurt or whatever but i see that as a grown woman and i'm like she could be with them right now but instead she's with this douche who has literally endangered her life and is now taking her away from from her family and then freaking also charles charlie whatever the dad's name is worst cop ever um in the middle of the night, his freaking uh, alleged his high school daughter, who's seventeen, maybe eighteen, he's like, "I got I just gotta go. I just have to drive in the middle of the night. I'm so upset. I need to leave right now because Edward just broke up with me, quote unquote." So they, she, he just lets her go. I'm like, "What kind of parent is like? Yes, I see you're very upset. Just go randomly drive off into the middle of the night by yourself, a high schooler." What? Yeah. Um, extremely unbalanced power dynamics i think that 
is well, okay hold on let me rephrase that to non-consensual unbalanced power dynamics because if you go into a relationship willingly accepting that this person has dominion and control over me that is a completely different type of relationship and that is consensual um but ones where it was like and in through all of the forms of coercion and control, uh, we've talked about them before, but like emotional and spiritual and monetary and like all these forms of abusive that sometimes like, oh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Christian Grey, how he has like the bajillions of dollars and can have this form of control over Is her name, Anna. I don't even remember. I don't know, but that, that story was once a fan fiction based on Twilight, so yep. that's why it sucks. Th yeah. This also applies to romance novels. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I still love the internet meme that popped up about Fifty Shades of Grey. It said the only reason that's looked at as a romantic story is because the guy was rich. Let mm -hmm. him be broke, and this is an episode of uh, like Criminal Minds. Yeah. Seriously. That's something I've seen so many times in romance novels, too. The power dynamic is often financial, but also just like in a fantasy book, it could be like there's a vampire, there's a werewolf, there's an ancient fae prince that's so popular lately with a normal ass human girl who is 19 or something. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and it's so weird to me. I mean, we can talk about the age gap alone as a whole thing, but like also the power gap is the same it's like whether it's a very rich person with a middle class or low class quote-unquote person who doesn't have as much money or it's like a normal human being with this ancient fae prince who can like teleport or fly or super strength or is immortal and has already lived for a thousand years and it's like i don't understand why we as a culture have like a fascination of that like it's literally like robbing innocence of the person like the main girl is usually a girl so it's like what does that say about us <laughs> so many people like to see this powerful man rob the innocence of this young girl who cannot fight back in any way yeah no For the record since we're straying away from the twilight topic i wanted to say this before just so i just so i have the the other reason i hate that relationship isn't simply because of how much of a you know, ancient creeper Edward is, but the, the star, the her heroine of this story is supposed to be Bella. And yet that woman has zero self-worth. Like she tries to throw herself, like throw her life for someone else in every single book. Yep. You know, in the first one, it's, I'm going to slit my wrist because that'll distract the vampire and protect the man I love. In the second one, I think it's, he dumped me, so there's nothing left. I'm going to jump and commit suicide. Then there's the whole situation with her uh, daughter. You know, my life – now, don't get me wrong. I know the mother thing is a potent thing. My life is less important than hers. I get that. But had she not – I mean, had she not already thrown herself to the lions at every given opportunity, I might have more sympathy for that. But – you know, those first two I just mentioned, and then there's the one thing where, like, the redhead vampire chick comes back, and she, again, slitting her wrists uh, to protect Edward. It's just this woman has no self-worth. And so that was the other reason I hated that story was because I was like, I'm fixing to raise two daughters. Please, for the love of God, do not let them watch this because I don't want them to think yeah. that their life has less than some guy. I think – I mean, that's – that's like what society wants though is like these self-sacrificing women to help the men achieve their goals i see that all the time like there's a book i do love this book series a court of thorns and roses by sj moss i've read it a few times it's great but she starts out she ends up becoming a like fae herself somehow because that usually happens too once they get the guy he gives her some power and that's weird but before that happens, she usually has to go, she has to die in some way, whether it's like metaphorical or literal. And Bella died. She became a vampire. And then we have in this book series, I don't remember, Feyre, I think her name is. Um, she has to go through all these ridiculous, stupid trials. All these other like powerful fae creatures are watching this little human get like put through the paces just to pass the test. 
and she literally like dies at the end and he saves her as a, some other guys save her too but it's just like why why did they always have to literally i don't understand none of these people need saving they're supposed to be immortal and like all powerful and like edward spent like a whole 10 minute montage of like this is the skin of a killer bella i'm a perfect predator and then she has to do all that to save him he doesn't need saving he was fine for 200 years before he ever met her 107 watch uh uh gundam wing anybody no, no. i haven't seen that and sorry i don't know his accurate age <laughs> sorry <laughs> I heard Jen correct me on his age. I guess he's younger than I thought, but still. Oh, yeah, because he died in the Spanish flu. Yeah. Like epidemic or pandemic, whatever. I only remembered that because I just watched this movie for the first time since I was 16. Sorry. Gundam. I have not seen it. Being Being the Power Ranger nerd that I am, I've had many people try to get me into anime. And while I don't swear off the entire genre in general, I have yet to find one that has 100% hooked me, or at least one that counts. That's a whole nother thing. Um, There was a girl I used to date that was such a big fan of Gundam Wing. Like she joked with that was one of the characters that if he was real, she'd leave me in a heartbeat kind of thing. And she was a huge fan of this character, this series. And so like years later, I saw it was on Hulu and I was like, hey, I'm, I'll give it a shot. This is that one that every it's, it's giant mechs. What's not to love? Like the first episode, the main guy whose name escapes me uh, is being swooned after by a girl because they always are. And she's like, you know, having dreams about him and fantasies and all of this. And then when she finally meets him, he basically says in plain English, come near me again and I'll slit your fucking throat. And I was like, okay, so red flag, red shotgun already. Please, for the love of God, tell me this girl is, wait, why is she swooning even harder? What in the world is going on with this? Like, all that did was make her want him more. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Yeah. Again, it's that unbalanced power dynamic where if it, it, yeah, I think that's the one that I dislike the most because of how horrible and nasty and just not okay it can get. Oh. Okay. Oh, you found a term for my least favorite. It's what you were calling it, the unbound because those were my two examples. I don't understand how you're being told point blank, leave me alone. Yet for some reason, and not only just leave me alone, but in both cases, these people are threatening your life if you do not leave them alone. And yet you just swoon all the harder. Oh, wait, maybe that's more along the extra simpy vibes. The who? Like extra simp vibes. That's what I'm getting from those two stories where it's like that. I'm telling you to leave me alone. I'm telling you to back off. And that just makes me want you more. Yeah. I think that's different than a power dynamic, but uh, I mean, there's a difference between the, you know, uh, I don't know the, I don't remember what the trope is called, but the whole thing of, you know, Oh, he's saying no, but he really means yes. There's a difference between that. And there's straight up, like I said, both instances, they are telling you, you are going to die if you do not leave me alone. Yeah. Oh, I think we got things a little fired up and riled over here. <laughs> I don't see how anybody could want a power imbalance relationship. Like I could not be with someone if I saw them as not my equal. And there's not a chance in hell I'd want to be with someone who didn't see me as their equal. I will counter that with the whole subculture that is the submissive and dominant, because that is that can be a very big power dynamic. But there are also... <sighs> It is equally oh, no, unequal. I, I accept <laughs> that. I accept that, that it exists. I just can't understand it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, I cannot though, understand there's, it. There's rules set up. Mm-hmm. There are things for everyone's safety so that you can, you know, enjoy yourself without risking actual harm. Not well, that even, I know from personal experience or anything. Even beyond, like, the rules of, like, harm and hard lines and things like that, the power dynamic actually comes from the fact that if I were to say... I hate being tickled. That is a hard, absolute no for me. You touch me with a light feather touch. I am going to freak out about it. I hate it. And so uh, that is the submissive's form of power 
is having this rule implemented and having something that the dominant cannot break, cannot pass, cannot do. Um, and so that is where the power comes from in that dynamic. But then there's also the fact that this other person most likely is going to be physically domineering uh, and in other forms and ways have some form of control. And so there is an imbalance of power in some aspects, but not in every aspect. And it's when the trope hits an imbalance in every aspect of the relationship that that's where it's like, no, that's not how it should work. Yeah, and like Dom and submissive and just like BDSM stuff at large, usually, I mean, when it's done right and how it's supposed to be, it's defined periods of time, like very specific scenarios. It's not like your entire life and all of the time. It can necessarily. be. It could, yeah, but like you've pre-arranged that and agreed to it versus like this kind of, like that's why you said non-consensual power imbalance. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, it's not like that's how it started out. And usually in these kind of power imbalance couples in in real life and in media, it's like the one who has no power or the least amount doesn't realize it's happening. Like they're getting drawn in to the charismatic, powerful person, probably liking the feeling of safety and access that it gives. Because it's usually like they wow them with like, look at who I can get or we can get into this club without waiting in line or I can get whatever I want or I've got look at all these people coming at my beck and call and so powerful and like I can give you some of that you can get a little bit of my glitter off of my shine and turns out you're just another pawn like that's totally different than coming together as two adults and being like I would like to not have to make decisions for a while or whatever like you can do this and like having an arrangement and pre safe words and all that sort of thing. And and not at all like what 50 shades of gray does because they hide behind the illusion of like, Oh, but they, she agreed. She didn't agree. She got manipulated into signing that, you know, Uh highly different than actual BDSM people. Oh, because he gave me my first orgasm through only nipple stimulation. Fuck the oh. fuck off. Fake <laughs> news, first of all. And right. secondly, that's not the only reason. He was like, let me shower you with all these gifts and prime you to agree to this. Mm-hmm. Make it seem like you have no other choice because your life is going to be boring and stupid without signing this. Because yep. he also like made her feel, I mean, I've never seen the whole movie. I've just watched clips. Um, but he also made her feel like uncultured and dumb and like, I don't know. Like, oh, you're so naive. How cute. Look at all this sex world stuff you don't know. My playroom. Meh, meh, meh. Let me introduce you to this stuff. And the reason that that works so well in these power imbalance couples is because the one person truly doesn't know. So they think this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a patron chat. I'm so sorry. We're going on rants. <laughs> It's very ranty, very rambly, very all over the place. Very, very old school two girls. (laughs) Two girls, two patrons. I love it. Um, Oh, okay. I think before we start another tirade um, and start popping off about small dick energy, uh, we should wrap it up for the night wrap up that small dick energy and let's do any shout outs or plugs. <laughs> oh, Apollo, do you have anything going on or what is your next concert you are attending? Well, I don't know for the, the next concert we have tickets to is Taylor Swift, but that's next, that's next year. Ooh. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, but it's a good, I mean, we're like, ninth row floor seats Damn. in New Orleans. Not going to get better than that. That's like right there. It's like it's right, right, right there. there. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. It is. Okay. Well, hopefully you get to go to a different, uh, another show in between uh, because people should always Comic Con. Our Pentacons before then, so I'll get to meet Spike and Cordelia before oh, then. Oh, yay, fun. Oh, and did you all see that there's a new Buffy book out? It is. Okay. 
All right. The book or the audio thing? Yeah, it's an audio thing. Is it? It's an audio. It's an audible, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought about the Slayers. Yeah. Okay. I haven't fully gotten into it yet. I've been waiting for the right time to start it. Um, Obviously, the last uh, week has been a little chaos and I didn't. I wanted to fully immerse myself in a way that I could fully enjoy and not be stressed out while listening to it. So I have not started it yet. Uh, can't wait. Uh, Bat Knight. Daddy Bat Knight, how are things going for you? Actually, as far as this month has gone, I've had like a pretty wicked, awesome month. I got a new car. I got to uh, go to, um, well, new to me. It was a, it's a 2012 uh, Camaro. But... Uh, I'm forcing myself to drive a manual rather than an automatic. So that's fun. Oh, uh, is that, is that sarcastic? That's fun. Or are you serious? Because I hate driving a little bit of both. I, a little bit I of both. hate it's, automatics. They're so boring. Give me a stick all day long. I hate uh, automatics. I've, I've known how uh, I've known enough about how to do a, an, uh, manual just to do my job, to be able to pull it in and out of the shop and do things. So, you know, cocky me was like, oh, yeah, I can totally handle a stick shift, you know, in the real world. It's been a learning experience. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting used to it. And, yes, it, it, in case anybody wants to know, the nerd in me did win out. It is very much Camaro, Camaro ye- ugh, Canary Yellow. I got Bumblebee, basically. <laughs> uh, so I, I also got to go to a comedy club to see my favorite uh, stand-up comic. And my wife was a smart aleck and got me like, I'm literally, I, I have a picture of my foot on the stage, like two more steps. He'd have been in my freaking lap. Nice. Um, that was fun. Uh, but as far as, you know, the interwebs and everything, I just, I'm doing the uh, Twitch streaming thing. I actually, I haven't done anything this week other than I did a Sunday night stream of uh, Spider-Man 2. And Mortal Kombat Monday, and uh, I'm, it's not We Ain't Afraid Wednesday anymore. It's Winging It Wednesday because it's just whatever I decide I want to play. Um, I didn't do either one of those because family situations and such, and I just was not in the right headspace. And so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, usually it's Mondays uh, or, yes, Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday, uh, 9.30 Eastern Time. And I call all of my followers the Knights of the Gaming Table. I'm still at 68, so I'm going to laugh hysterically the next follower I get. Um, but I'm at the end of every stream. I wish everyone a great day and a night night. That night, please check your email and announce who your 69th follower is. All right, hang on. <laughs> I am Genesis now follows me on Twitch as my 69th follower. Hell you, yeah. <laughs> I can make so many oh. bad jokes, but I don't want you to hunt me down. Oh, no, that that was just that was perfect. Uh I realized that the girls were following you but not my personal accounts. There we go. Huh. I mean, y'all could always actually swing by and watch. Yeah. Yes, if you are streaming at a time where I am available to watch, I definitely will. Um, I don't know what 9.30 Eastern time is for you, but there you go. Like 6.30? 6.30. So. Probably be fine sometimes. We'll see. I need to turn on notifications because what happens for me is I see the email that someone went live like two hours after they went live. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I was actually, like, why didn't it tell me? Of, why don't I have a one of my up? followers is a coworker, and she was like, "How come I never see when you go on? Do you actually stream?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm streaming like every week." I had to actually. She handed me her phone so I could go through the thing and turn on her notifications. Yeah. I was just like, "Man, the links I'm going to for this." <laughs> yep, got to do that hustle. It is. It is all about the hustle in the beginning. And that is what has led us to almost two years of successful ass podcasting. Yay, us. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-hosty Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord, come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash Girls one ship 
Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description. I am on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So, thanks for listening, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.